You're listening to Season 2, Episode number 3 of Strike the Match. Last week, on June 7, 2016, Baptist Press released an article by Carol Pipes titled, More Churches Reported, Baptisms Decline, a report on the decline within the Southern Baptist Convention. In just a short period of time after the article's released, Associated Press and other outlets across the country picked up this article and reported on it. So in this episode of Strike the Match, I thought it would be appropriate to take some time to address this particular article and the present situation within my own denomination. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strike the Match. Hey, as a Season 2 listener, there is a special offer being made right now on my book, To the Edge, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. This book uh, was, uh, was one of my books that came out last year. And uh, if you'd like to get a copy of it at 41% off, actually, you can buy more than one copy uh, and get them all at 41% off. I want to tell you how you can do that. If you'll just simply go to the Create Space website and search in their store, or a very simple way would be just to just to Google J.D. Payne to the Edge Create Space. J.D. Payne to the Edge Create Space. It'll take you directly to the link. And uh, once you go to the checkout counter, you want to enter in this code to get your 41% off discount to the letter J, the number 48ZZ7EU. That is J48ZZ7EU. I hope you take advantage of this opportunity. And uh, if you know someone else that uh, may benefit from this book, uh, feel free to pass along the, uh, the, the discount code to them as well. So uh, last week, last week, uh, Associated uh, Press picked up on an article that was released from Baptist Press, and Baptist Press released this article titled ACP, which stands for Annual Church Profile. It's an annual report that uh, Southern Baptist uh, churches uh, uh, turn in voluntarily, uh, giving statistics related to uh, a multitude of factors uh, connected with their congregation. Uh, so the article titled ACP, More Churches Reported Baptisms Decline, uh, Carol Pipes uh, wrote this, this article, and it came out on June 7th. Um, 2016. And uh, when you begin to look at this article, uh, what you see is is that uh, across the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest uh, Protestant denomination within the United States, across the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, we see things related to our overall membership, our average worship attendance, baptisms, and uh, missions giving uh, on the decline. Uh, the the number of churches uh, that we uh, saw in uh, uh, with our within our de- denomination increased by 294, so almost 300 churches uh, in the past year. Uh, and so um, I want to make a couple comments, uh, just kind of summarizing this this article. But as I was studying and uh, praying and thinking about about this podcast today, uh, I. I went back one year ago. I went back one year ago to the podcast that I did in season one of Strike the Match on the decline in SBC numbers because uh, it, on June the 10th, of 2015, June the 10th, 2015, Baptist Press released an article, also written by Carol Pipes, uh, titled SBC Reports More Churches, Fewer People. 
and in that article, uh, the uh, the contents are are very similar to the contents of the article that Baptist Press released uh, last last week, and and so as I listened to that uh, podcast once again, I realized that a great deal of what I would be saying in this podcast, uh, I said it last year in, uh, in, in that episode. And so what I'm going to do in this episode of Strike the Match is something that I have not done before, and that is I'm going to, to rebroadcast uh, an episode uh, from, from last year, and it is the episode related to the June 10th, 2015 report, uh, SBC Reports More Churches, Fewer People because the content is so similar uh, to what came out this past week in the June 7, 2016 report, More Churches Reported, Baptisms Decline. Uh, and so, uh, you know, my, my thoughts, my thinking, uh, my convictions, uh, you know, very much the same as what was there last year. And so I thought that it would be good to, to share that with you uh, again. So for those of you that have heard it, I would encourage you to listen to it again. For those of you that have not heard it, uh, you get to hear it for the first time if you have not listened to that episode before. So, so going back to last week's article that came out, what we see uh, is that the uh, the number of churches I mentioned uh, increased in our convention to tr- up, uh, increased by 294 churches. That's actually lower. It's actually lower than what was reported in last year's article. Last year's article, our convention was up by 374 churches. Uh, this year's 294 churches. Uh, membership declined more uh, this year than uh, 200,000 people. Uh, reported baptisms uh, have fallen out of uh, the last eight out of ten years within our denomination. Last year, uh, the the baptism to member ratio, in other words, how many Southern Baptists does it take to baptize one person in one year? Uh, last year, we were baptizing one person within our denomination for every 51 members. This year, uh, we have seen with the with the following rate of baptisms and membership within our, within our denomination, uh, it now takes 52. It now takes 52 Southern Baptists within a given year uh, to baptize uh, one uh, one person. Uh, now, uh, I have to also say that uh, of the baptisms that occurred last year, the 295,000, 295,000 people uh, were baptized. And, and for those that are repentant of their faith, and, or excuse me, <laughs> repentant of their faith, for those of those who repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ and were baptized, you know, that's something to rejoice over. That's something to be excited over. And I'm very thankful for that and for those that follow the Lord in, uh, in obedience uh, in light of the declining numbers that are there. So I, uh, I I'm not going to comment any any uh, more on this article because uh, the podcast that uh, I'm going to rebroadcast to to you folks uh, is very similar. Uh, what I'd be saying this year is very similar to what I said last year. So I'm going to take you now to last year's episode of Strike the Match related to uh, SBC numbers. So topic of today's podcast. Um, Yesterday uh, was June the 10th, June 10th, 2015, and a report came out from Baptist Press, which is the topic of our uh, conversation uh, in this episode, and that is uh, the article written by Carol Pipes uh, titled uh, SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, Reports More Churches, Fewer People. And uh, the, the article is no surprise to those of us uh, that uh, have been tracking uh, numbers and realities within our denomination 
for some time, uh, but I want to to share uh, some comment or some thoughts with you about this particular article, uh, sharing some content of what's found in this article, uh, but also uh, some some thoughts that uh, um, that really will be sort of affirming the obvious. I think at in, in, at some level, but at the same time, I want to make uh, some some general missiological thoughts uh, as well. Uh, if you have not had a chance to read this article, you need to check it out. Go to bpnews.net, bpnews.net, SBC reports more churches, fewer people by Carol Pipes. It was only within hours after this uh, was released yesterday that that uh, secular media sources uh, picked this up all over the country, and it was in, in a multitude of places in a very short period of time. And um, and so let me just go ahead and jump in and kind of get started with with, with this. Uh, but well, let me make one more disclaimer. One more kind of kind of disclaimer. Um, you're listening, and maybe you're not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I want to encourage you to even listen to the rest of this podcast because I think it will be of value to you. Uh, I saw on Twitter uh, just yesterday uh, an individual who um, made a comment on this uh, this. Um, this article that came out, uh, and he uh, is with the Assemblies of God and, and made a very important statement in that he said, uh, asking people within his denomination, you know, what uh, what can we learn as the, as the Assemblies, uh, what can we learn from what Southern Baptists are experiencing right now, what, what implications may this have for us, and what can can we need or what do we need to be thinking about in days to come? And so, so my hope to you is, even if you're a part of a different denomination or maybe you're non-denominational, that you will you will also listen uh, to the rest of, of this podcast. So, so with that in mind, um, let me share with you a verse from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. And uh, the writer of Proverbs makes this statement. Uh, he says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. I share that with you at the outset of this uh, discussion because whenever you have information that comes out like what was contained or what is contained in this article, uh, you quickly have or usually have uh, very quickly uh, people that want to jump on this issue and and be extremely critical. Uh, They want to criticize. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they were mean-spirited, angry, uh, you know, and obviously not everyone out there that's making commentary on this uh, is falling into that boat, but there are a lot of people out there that are doing that. And, and I do not want this to come across at all uh, with me being, sounding like I'm in that vein. Uh, I really, really want uh, my words in this podcast to be fitly spoken that they that they would they would be as apples of gold in a setting of silver rather than than uh, the just the opposite. Um, I speak as an insider. Uh, I, uh, I am very proud uh, to be an insider. I am a fourth generation Southern Baptist. I've shared that on numerous occasions, and very proud of uh, that heritage that is there. Uh, Southern Baptists have 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 been the means, have been the ch- the channel by which the Lord has extended His grace to me, and not only to me, but others um, that uh, came before me in my my family. And so I'm very proud, very thankful to be to be a Southern Baptist. I. Uh, uh, I was called to serve in my first uh, church in 1995. I was pastoring a church in Winchester, Kentucky, back in 1995, and so I've I've served and been a part of Southern Baptist churches 
uh, f- for 20 years now. And um, uh, and 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 presently, church that I'm a part of right now, the Church of Brook Hills. We are a Southern Baptist church. We're involved in in Southern Baptist uh, work in North America and throughout the world, uh, and in our own association as well. I did uh, two of my uh, two of my degrees uh, at uh, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so did my MDiv there. Did my PhD work there, and then uh, I spent ten years uh, on faculty. Uh, at Southern as well. I, I taught there as an associate professor for for uh, a decade. And even during that period of time, nine of those 10 years, I was uh, appointed as a national missionary with the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. So I, I say all that to say to, to, to you that um, I'm, I'm speaking as an insider, and I'm speaking as an insider who is very thankful, very proud to be a part of, of, of this tribe, uh, even with all of the concerns that are out there. And there are many issues that weigh heavily on my heart, and they've been on my heart for a long time, long before this article even came out. And so uh, it's important for you to know my background as you hear me speak uh, as we move forward. When you begin to look at this article, what do you see? Well, you see that the number of cooperating Southern Baptist churches in our convention, in our denomination, we, we, we increased uh, by 374 churches, uh, and that's been an increase over the past 15 years. However, though we saw that increase in churches, we lost. We lost more than 200,000 members. It's the biggest one-year decline since 1881. We also saw decline in average attendance, and also in baptisms, and also uh, in our missions giving uh, as well. The membership of our denomination uh, fell by 1.5%. It is now down to 15.5 million, uh, clearly making us the largest Protestant uh, denomination in the United States. And uh, even though we have 15.5 million members, the reality is, is that Worship attendance does not reflect that. In fact, worship attendance is also down on average, but even the average worship attendance, listen to this, the average worship attendance uh, is uh, is about 5.7 million Sunday worshipers. I mean, so, so you know, being generous, we round up to 6 million uh, worshipers on any given Sunday are in Southern Baptist churches or gathering with Southern Baptist churches, uh, that's a big discrepancy. That's almost 10 million people between the numbers that we have as uh, tallied members, if you will, and those that are gathering for worship. Um, The reality is, is that we're not as big as we think we are. Uh, it's just it's just not there. Um, I do still believe that we're we're the biggest denomination, the largest denomination, uh, because other denominations uh, have very similar reporting mechanisms in place, very similar uh, margins of error in their in their calculations and in their their accounting. Uh, but uh, the reality is is that we're I still think we're the largest, but we're not as big as we think we are. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Let me talk about baptisms for a second. Baptisms declined for the third year in a row. Although the rate held steady, according to Carol Pipes in this article, uh, with one baptism for every 51 members. So in any given year, it takes 51 Southern Baptists to reach one person for Jesus and see them baptized. It's, that's a terrible ratio, but that is the reality in which we find ourselves. Um, churches recorded about 5,000 fewer baptisms, a, a decrease of, uh, of about 1.6%. Um, uh, in, in in last year, and reported baptisms have fallen eight of the last 10 years, uh, with last year's 
last year's count of baptisms, so in 2014, last year's count of baptisms was actually the lowest total that we've ever had since 1947, since 1947. Uh, Emissions given has decreased. Uh, It's decreased by almost 5%. And even though it's decreased by only by by 5%, um, the the amount is is still a very large amount of money, $1.2 billion of Southern Baptist dollars going to mission expenditures. Again, I'm going to come back to that in a second when I'm talking about the issue of size. Um, and, you know, it's the numbers are probably higher than that when it comes to giving. We actually have some some state convention of churches that do not uh, give account uh, of, of that particular area related to missions expenditures. So that number is probably, probably actually higher. So, so let me let me just kind of make some general uh, kind of thoughts, and uh, and again, as I mentioned a moment ago, some of this is affirming the obvious, but I also want to make some general thoughts on on some some missiological matters uh, because of the nature of this podcast, because of the reality of the world in which we live, where there's. There are 4 billion people in the world who have no relationship with Jesus, 75% of the United States, no relationship with Christ, 80% of Canada, no relationship with Christ. And so so given given these realities within my denomination, within my within my denomination, uh, let me share some thoughts, thoughts with you guys uh, at this point in time. The reality is is that when you're this large, when you when you are this large, it takes a long time. It takes a long time to feel the shifts that are around you that are occurring. Uh, in other words, what we're reading about in this article that came out yesterday, th- uh, this is nothing new for us that have been, been, been tracking this for some time. This has been going on uh, for a lengthy period of time. And, and the reality is, is that the bigger you are, it is the, the, the less likely you are to feel the, 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 the shifts, to, to feel the rumbles, to feel the shake, if you will, uh, the tremors, the, the issues that, that, are, that are moving around beneath your feet. You know, imagine, imagine you're in choppy waters in the ocean and you're in a boat. But imagine that that boat is actually a cruise liner, and that cruise liner has got its baffles under the water, and and the and the the waters are choppy. Well, you're going to feel the 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 shifting of the of the water uh, around and under that boat differently if you're in that same water and you're actually in a canoe, and so you you know you're gonna you're gonna experience that differently. Our size has allowed us for many years to absorb some of the shock, some of the blow, if you will. And, and the reality is, is because of the size, uh, the, the Southern Baptist Convention is not on life support. Uh, in other words, you, you hear from some guys, you, you think about some of these issues, and you begin to think, oh, well, you know, Southern Baptists are, you know, three weeks from now, they're going to be gone. You know, Southern Baptists, they're on life support, uh, you know, five more years, and, you know, the denomination will cease to exist. The denomination's hemorrhaging in this area of, of members. And, and granted, it, the issue is is very significant and very severe, but the issue is not to the degree because of the size that we're talking about that the the, the Southern Baptist Convention is just going to go away in a very short period of time. Unless something catastrophic happens, unless some cataclysmic act occurs, unless the Lord comes back, uh, I do not see the Southern Baptist Convention uh, ceasing to exist any time in the very near future. Second thing that is worth commenting on at this point in time is that if you begin to, to track it out just logically, 
the implications on a denomination as a whole across across a denomination with all of its organizations and structures, its agencies, with its, its institutions. Track out the logic with me. If you are experiencing a decline in baptisms, you are eventually going to be experiencing across the board less members in churches. Unless, and this is not happening, unless you're just experiencing an enormous amount of transfer growth and all your churches are growing because you're swapping sheep or actually stealing sheep from uh, other people that are in the kingdom. Uh, Unless you're reaching new believers and seeing them come to faith in Christ, then your membership is going to begin to diminish. It's going to begin to dwindle. It's going to get less and less and less and less. And that's been happening for some time. If you have less members then you typically will end up having churches that are going to be financially giving less money to denominational causes. Now, within our denomination, there is no hierarchy, no group, no president, no organization that oversees, no board, no agency that oversees and tells Southern Baptist churches what to do. Uh, we're a voluntary group. We, we, volun- we, we agree to cooperate. We agree to come together and partner especially on issues related to theological education and in missionary activity, both domestically and internationally. And so you've got churches that make their own decisions when it comes to what they're going to do with their financial resources. And so if you are in a denomination that is made up of congregations, such as the ones I just mentioned, and they are going through loss of members, they're experiencing all these difficulties, all these these matters that are taking place right now, Uh, many of them are shifting into survival mode. And the thought of sending more money on to a central location that will then in turn take that money and distribute it to mission agencies, to uh, theological institutions, to other organizations within our convention, within our denomination. Uh, that that begins to bear on people's mind. They begin to think, well, we probably need to keep these resources here for us because after all, we are in a survival mode. And so what begins to happen? Well, obviously you begin to, to feel the impact of that in your mission agencies, in your theological institutions, in other agencies that are connected with the convention. But you have to understand about Southern Baptists. We have created these structures. We have created a culture that we believe in, in which we are supporting these agencies, these institutions, to partner with us, to work with us in our Great Commission task, in our equipping work. And so when you create that culture, there is this expectation that they're going to take the lead in this. Now, I'll refrain from commentary on that at this point in time uh, about the strengths and the limitations, but you create a culture that says that they're going to take the lead on this, and, and therefore we expect them to, to, to do this for us or at least hold our hands and lead the charge for us. And therefore, if you begin to shut off your resource supply to those entities that you have agreed to come alongside of you and work with you in these endeavors, when you begin to shut off that valve, then it's going to be felt on their end, which will in turn come back and will be felt in the local church as well, in areas particularly related to missions and related to our theological training. So so with this in mind, that's just that's just an issue that I don't think many Southern Baptists are thinking about, that decline in baptisms ends up trickling down uh, on the financial level of impacting uh, what we're doing across the globe, what we're doing domestically in our equipping and in our mobilization. 
The other thing that I think is important for us to recognize is the truth of the matter that there will be many churches in our convention, in our denomination, that will cease to exist in days to come. In, 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 the, in the near future, there will be many churches that will cease to exist in days to come. And there are a lot of reasons. There are a couple of reasons I'll just toss out at you. One, we see, as, as just a few weeks ago, Pew Research kicked out, the growth of, of the nuns, people with no religious affiliation whatsoever, and those that are, are you know, the, those that are being more nominal in their expression and those that are being more nominal in their expression shifting to becoming not considered or not considering themselves a part of any faith tradition. So you begin to have people that are once members in churches, once on the roll, so to speak, nominal in their Christianity, uh, disappearing. Uh, you know, you know, uh, falling away, so to speak, and 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 shifting into the category of not being considered uh, uh, adherent to the Christian faith at all. That's happening. It will continue to happen. The other thing is, is that in our churches, in most of our churches, we have this ecclesiology. We have this ecclesiology that believes if we can't keep our lights on in our building, then we can't be a church. If we can't. Uh, if we can't afford or have a pastor in the traditional understanding of a pastor, even if he's bivocational, then we can't be a church. In other words, because there will be churches that cannot afford to pay their utilities, cannot afford to keep their, their heater and electricity running, so to speak, they will begin to think we can no longer be a church and they will cease to exist. They will, they will, they will go away. They will disappear. Now, the reality is, is that there are churches that are in... In, in situations that I think that they do need to cease to exist. There are deep sin issues there, unrepentant hearts, a multitude of other matters that, again, I don't have time to delve into in this, in this podcast, but that is the reality. There will be many churches that will cease to exist uh, because they cannot afford uh, to keep their lights on uh, in their building. The other thing that I think we need to keep in mind as well is when we begin to think about this issue of shifts and changes within our denomination, we, we have got to make certain that we are not engaging in a survival mentality. In other words, believing that, that we have got to hunker down and we've got to become inwardly focused and we've got to fixate on, our, on ourselves. We need to have what I've advocated for many years. We need to have evolution, not disillusion. In other words, we don't need to have the dissolving, the dissolving of, of the structures, the organizations, the things that are already in place, but we need to have an evolution in the way that we go about doing what we do. Change is going to have to happen at all levels within our denomination. At the local church level, to various agencies and organizations across our denomination. We have a general culture and models for doing, for example, missions at home and abroad, and also theological education. These models and this, this, this general culture were designed for a day long past, and these models did very well. Society has shifted. It's shifted on a global scale, not only on a domestic scale, but on a global scale, and now even on a domestic scale within our own local churches and in the communities in which our churches meet. Society has shifted, and but, but here's the issue. We're still operating from the same general culture of expectation 
meaning expectations of, of, of yesteryear, of the way you're supposed to do ministry and the way you're supposed to think about the context in which you're doing your ministry, whether it's home or abroad. We're still operating from the same general culture of expectation, and we're still operating from the same structures. And so when I say we need to have evolution and not dissolution, it's not that you go in with a wrecking ball and discard all the things, but we're going to have to shift, we're going to have to change, we're going to have to evolve in the way that we think about how we have been doing missions at home and abroad and how we've been doing theological education. So I'll just throw out some ideas uh, with you. Again, some of this is just stating the obvious. Uh, Some of this are just some missiological thoughts. None of these things that I'm saying. Now, these things that I'm saying in, in this podcast are, are how to fix this issue or how to, how to solve the, the problems that are out there. I don't claim to have those answers, but I do want us to begin to, to think and have conversation on some things that I think many people uh, have not been talking about within our denomination. We do need to have, for example, we do need to have within our churches this disciple-making culture. We need to have an emphasis on disciple-making culture. We don't have a missional theology behind what we're doing, uh, for the most part, across the churches within our Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, we, we, we talk about making disciples, we talk about evangelism, things of that nature, but we don't have this real this disciple-making culture, even all the years that we've been talking about it. It's just not there. The other thing is, is that we need a culture within our churches and across our across our convention. Again, when I'm saying change, change happening at all levels, disciple making culture at all levels. We need to have at all levels this understanding of of raising up young adults to obtain marketable skills and marketable degrees. In other words, they need to not only have this disciple-making culture, but also this value that you can go out and you can be a church planter. You can be a lead church planter. For some of you that like that terminology, you can be a lead church planter, and you can be a mechanic, and you can stay in your job in the marketplace, and you can make disciples, and you can plant churches at home or abroad. You can, you can go out and you can pastor a church. You can pastor a church, and you can remain as a school teacher, and you can pastor this church, and you can lead it in the direction of revitalization. In other words, we don't have we don't have that culture. We do have, I think, a culture of bivocationalism in, in a lot of parts within our denomination. But we need to build that out, and we need to have this culture that parents need to think in terms of how can I best raise my children, not only to catch a vision for the Great Commission and God's glory among the nations, but how can I instill within them, in them the stewardship of obtaining marketable degrees and marketable skills that will best position them as global disciple makers, whether it's at home or whether it's abroad. The other thing I mentioned is the issue of an emphasis on, on, on revitalization. I mean, that's something that is huge, and that's something that I am encouraged to hear in, in, that's happening. I'm not very encouraged in, in some of the methodologies that I'm seeing out there, hearing about out there, and strategy that I'm hearing and seeing out there. I, I did a podcast, or excuse me, I did a blog post um, uh, sometime back uh, earlier this year of what we're doing with the Church of Brook Hills when it comes to revitalization. Uh, but it's but it is different. It's different than than what I'm seeing that's out there. But we need to have we need to have that emphasis on revitalization. Some of our churches will not be revitalized, but there are a lot of churches I think that do need to be revitalized. And that's and that's going to to be a significant I think a significant component in days to come in our local churches as well as in our seminaries when it comes to preparing men for pastoral ministry, to place an emphasis on an area of ministry that we have not thought about in a a long time. When you're looking at 90% of your churches declining already, 9 out of 10 guys 
nine out of ten guys that you're sending out uh, to go into established churches, whether they're coming out of your church and you're raising them up and, and sending them out, or whether they're they're graduating from your seminary and going out, ninety percent of those guys that are going out, they're going into churches that are already in need of revitalization. So, so this is a huge issue that we need to pour more energy and effort into. The other issue that we need to pour more energy and effort into in a shift that needs to happen in all levels is, is, is really the area of, of church planting being more apostolic, being more missionary, and being less pastoral. Uh, in other words, we've got the structures in place, we've got the heritage, we've got the context, we've, we've got the background, if you will, to do church planting primarily through a pastoral lens. But when we look at the New Testament, we see churches being birthed out of the harvest, meaning 100% conversion growth, meaning that the church planting teams never functioned as a, as a permanent fixture. They always existed as a scaffold to, to make disciples out of the harvest, to see those disciples gathered together to be local expressions of the body of Christ, and then in turn would raise up elders out of those people, would appoint elders out of those churches, Acts chapter 14 and then Titus chapter 1 verse 5. Titus, the reason I left you on Crete was to put things that remained in order and to appoint elders in every town. In other words, we've got to allow that to permeate what we're doing at all levels. When you talk about Southern Baptist work outside of North America, we're all cool. We're all there. We're, we're right there with that issue. But we've got to understand that biblically and missiologically, uh, we, we do not need to, to leave that apostolic approach behind when we fly across the ocean and come back to North America. In other words, we've got to recognize that in North America, we are the third. The United States is actually the third largest country in the world when it comes to the number of unreached people groups. Canada is at number five. So you're looking at 360 unreached people groups in the United States, 180 in Canada. And, and, and putting us in the top five, we've got to recognize the need to be more apostolic in what we do in our own backyard. The problem has been is that we don't operate out of a missiology that supports that. Uh, in other words, we've developed structures and plans and strategies of yesteryear for doing ministry through a pastoral approach when a society then in turn shifts and it really becomes a context in which the approach needs to be more apostolic. The society shifts, the needs shift, but the church, the church structures, the church expectations, the church cultural expectations, the mission agency expectations still remain in the pastoral vein. You have a significant discrepancy between the two. And the challenge for us in days to come is how, how in your own backyard do you continue doing church revitalization emphasizing church health, and at the same time placing an emphasis on apostolic work, missionary work in your own backyard that is truly apostolic in its approach to church planting and not just in name only. Finally, guys, I'll leave you with one last thought, and that is matters related to theological education. In other words, change must happen in, in that realm as well. Uh, and again, keep in mind, I've spent much of my life in the academy, and I continue to to teach at a couple of, uh, of seminaries and continue to remain in professional societies and, and, and write, and, and so my heart is there. But guys, we've got to recognize that some of the things that have shifted, some of the things that are out there, some of the things that are needed in our churches and in the mission field are not necessarily the things that accreditation agencies are really concerned about. And we're going to have to, to, to have a serious conversation about whether or not having that stamp of approval, and I hate to even, it's hard, it's hard for me to even say this, but I hate to even say this, but we, we have to ask ourselves, is that stamp of approval from accrediting agencies that say to universities and colleges in the secular vein, you are legitimate, is that 
the same governing bodies that we want to be putting parameters around us in what we can and what we cannot do. I think theological education needs to be more practical in its orientation. Uh, I think a three-year program that is that is elevated as the Cadillac in which uh, you need to walk through is too long. And I believe that we need to begin to hire more uh, theological practitioners, people that are outstanding theologians and outstanding practitioners uh, as well. Uh, and again, I, I love the academy. I love to, to read and write academic-type works. But the reality is that, guys, we, we, we have needs that are out there. The context in which we find ourselves is, is serious and significant. And the model that was developed and existed and did really, really well for 500 years is not the model that we continue to need today. Guys, I hope that this has allowed you to have some thought about this issue. And um, hey, send me an email, jpain at brookhills.org. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, share this uh, with others in your circles of influence. I hope it's uh, generated some thought for you, some things to ponder, think about, and pray over. Thanks, guys, so much for checking out Strike the Match. And uh, Lord willing, look forward to being with you in a future episode. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.